0: Eti pisso bhagavā arahang samma Samputo, wijja charana sampano sukato loka itu anutaru dhamma sarati satta bhagavati Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo, sanditiko akaliko Ehipasiko, pasiko opanai ko Those verses in Pali are a little bit of the morning and evening chanting from the monasteries in Asia. particular, they are the salutations to the qualities of Buddha, of awakening and clarity, purity of heart, our own Buddha nature and to the open-handedness and immediacy of the teachings. So, with that, I'd like to welcome you to this New Year's Retreat. And my name, for those of you i have not met, my name is Jack Cornfield, and I'm joined here by Rodney Smith, and who has taught this retreat with me together for, this is the 13th year, Rodney was a monk in Thailand and Burma, and trained in India, many places over the years. One of the first staff members of Insight Meditation Society. And Eugene Cash, next to me on this side, who has been practicing also for many years vipassana, and um, trained as well as a, a psychotherapist, done a lot of Work with the hospice, and as Rodney has. Um, Eugene is also a musician, and i um, very pleased. It's his first time teaching at IMS, although he sat here many times in the past. And Marie Manchatz, in the red sweater, who is a Dharma teacher from Berlin, Germany. This is 20 years this year that um, since she came and did her first sitting at a three-month retreat in 1977 or 78 at IMS, and been practicing since here and in the West Coast and in, in Asia. And I'm very glad Marie can join us. And Tara Brock, who's been teaching this now for the last five years as well, and um, is one of the main Vipassana teachers now in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, When I look around in the room, I see many old and dear friends, and then a few new faces, and I welcome all of you. It's really a pleasure to start this retreat and to have a retreat at this season of the year. It comes at the darkest time, at the beginning of the cycle of the new year, the winter solstice. And in a way, perhaps, it's like our version of the rains retreat that would happen during the rainiest and darkest time of the year in the Buddhist monasteries, where people would, quite naturally, be drawn to interior time, to a practice um, that listens and attends uh, within to that which wants to be born out of us in this darkness. One of the monasteries that began in the time of the Buddha was the um, beautiful grove of Prince Jetta that was offered as a year-round um, retreat center for the monks. And the Buddha said, creating such suitable dwellings and offering them to practitioners of all four directions, past, present, and future, is a blessing to be praised. It keeps out cold and heat, wind and rain and shelters those who meditate with ease so that they may devote themselves and develop trust, still their minds and awaken true insight. Those who live there can practice and pass on the Dharma, experiencing freedom from suffering and finding the heart's great repose. So I hope in this retreat that we are sheltered outwardly and inwardly to develop trust and still the mind, awaken insight, and find the heart's great repose. All of the great cultures of the world know the importance of time away, time in solitude, vision quest retreats, the Sabbath times of renewal. And so when we come on retreat, it's as if we come on a kind of a pilgrimage and enter a land that is in some way timeless, outside of our ordinary time, and listen with new ears and see with new eyes. David Brower, one of the foremost environmental leaders of these past decades, Wrote, there is not as much wilderness out there as I wish there were. And there is more inside than you can imagine. So welcome to your wilderness retreat. (laughs) New Year's is an especially fitting time to stop, to pay attention, Midway along the road of life, says Dante, I woke to find myself in a secret dark woods. And this whole adventure of Dante uh, began from that willingness to stop in the dark and listen. So here you come, and we join together, and there is an invitation to listen anew to the hidden beauty of this heart we have been given and to let go of that which is unfinished, to let go of what conflict and turmoil lies within, the healing of the body and the emotions, to release that which keeps our heart from its natural openness, to awaken a new vision to reconnect with a sense of our own wisdom and wholeness. For new students, it will be an adventure. And for those of you who have sat before, it will be another adventure. It's important as old students, so to speak, that you allow it to be fresh, a kind of beginner's mind. The storekeeper heard one of his salesmen say to a customer, "'No, ma'am, we haven't had any for some weeks now, and it doesn't look like we'll be getting any soon.' Horrified at what he was hearing, he rushed over to the customer as she was walking out the door and said, "'That isn't true, ma'am, of course we'll have some soon. In fact, we placed an order for it a couple of weeks ago.' And as she walked away, He drew the salesman aside, growling, and said, Never, never, never say we don't have something. If we don't have it, say we've ordered it, and it's on the way. Now, what exactly was it that she wanted? Rain, said the salesman. Even though you may have sat many retreats in the past, this one is new and what is ahead in these days and what is there to be touched in this body and mind and heart is also new. So let yourself, whoever you are, begin simply, as the Buddha did, and take this seat under your own tree of enlightenment and establish the sense of presence and awareness to know what is so, what is true. And as you sit, as the Buddha did, sense within yourself this great capacity for compassion, wakefulness, freedom, that is the birthright of each human being. If it were not possible to free this heart and mind to touch that which is timeless, said the Buddha, I would not ask it of you, but since it is possible, I invite you to join me." This invitation to pay attention, to look deeply during this retreat time together, this wonderful practice, is not just in our sitting, but it will be in walking and eating, really allowing yourself now to slow down and take your time and be present for all the things of the day. When you go to Bodhgaya, to the temple at the great tree of the Buddha's enlightenment, next to the beautiful seat that is now um, there in stone that marks the place of the Buddha's uh, spot of enlightenment under the tree, not many feet away is a series of stone-carved lotus flowers set in the earth which were said to be the walking path of the Buddha after he got up from, from his enlightenment in this, the way the story is told. Then he would walk back and forth with a sense of beauty and peace by this great tree. Each step being a lotus petal, that symbol of the sacred, of the presence of peace in the midst of all things. So our invitation is the same to sense that which is sacred, or holy, or free and awake, and sitting and chopping vegetables, and walking and cleaning the bathrooms, and putting on and taking off our clothing, to allow each part of the day to become a place of our attention and our care. What helps deeply in entering this space of retreat, is a patience to allow things to settle down gently as they will because it will take a few days for most people's minds to start to quiet and hearts start to soften and open and bodies to release the tension that we carry. So allow a sense of patience and with it a kindness or non-judgment. Simply come back again and again to this moment with attention and respect and it will all open as it should. We will schedule interviews for you during this retreat, starting the day after tomorrow. First, group interviews for uh, one time each and then after that a series of individual interviews with the teachers just to check on your practice and simply ask if we can be of help to you. There will be daily loving-kindness meditation. We'll let you know when that is each day. And the theme and the spirit of compassion and loving-kindness we want to bring as part of the container that holds the whole of the retreat. And as you can see from the schedule that's posted, there will be sitting and walking and sitting and walking and then walking and sitting, sitting and walking interspersed with a little eating meditation, and then sleep and more sitting and walking. So there really isn't very much that you do here. Just sit and walk, and mostly be with yourself, with attention and care, and respect, and allow the process of your own mindful awareness to lead you to that opening and understanding and freedom, which is the invitation of every retreat and the invitation of the Buddha. So again, welcome. It's a great pleasure to join you this retreat. Who's next?
1: So to offer my own welcome to all of you, as Jack mentioned. Uh, this is 13 years that we've been doing this retreat together, um, minus last year where I was trapped at the Seattle airport, unable to get out because of the snowstorm. And so it was of double importance and enthusiasm that I looked forward to this retreat.
0: You're going to make up for last year. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. I'm going to rain on your
1: parade. And <laughs> So I'd just like to um, offer a poem uh, that I have found helpful uh, and I know that we have our ups and downs in this practice and one of the beauties of sitting here at IMS is the context out of which uh, this retreat unfolds in and around nature and this poem I think addresses just that. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethoughts of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free." And I wish all of us to be able to rest in the grace of our own awareness, in the grace of each other's company, and to actualize that freedom.
2: Welcome to every one of you. Just before we were coming in, Tara asked me, aren't you a little bit excited about being here? And I said, yes, sure I am. I'm always excited when I start a retreat, no matter on which side I'm sitting. So I wonder if you feel like that too, or which kinds of feelings you brought over here, and how you start out today after traveling and putting everything together to be able to be here. I'm filled with gratitude to be here. Berry is a luxurious place to me, and uh, it's the third time for me to be here. In Germany, we have a saying that says, uh, Aller guten Dinge sind drei, of all three Of all good things, there are three. So I hope this is, for all of us, a very good experience to do this retreat together, to grow together in wisdom and understanding. (coughs) And we will get to know each other more during the next ten days.
3: Good evening. Lovely to be here with you all. It's uh, interesting to be on this side. I, uh, whenever I start a retreat, it's, it's quite a joy and a blessing to teach. But I do feel a little bit of envy at times. That I'd, Oh, it's so nice to sit and really such a gift. It's really beautiful to be here together, also. Sometimes on Vipassana retreats, especially as we're sitting, our eyes closed, and we walk, sit and walk. We don't make eye contact. We don't talk. We don't uh, communicate in any way. Sometimes it feels like we're alone. And it really, uh, we really miss something if we're really not aware that we're all here doing this together. And part of that sense of togetherness is created through the taking of the precepts. So, I'd like to talk for a few moments about the precepts and uh, to reflect with you about them and then to formally take the precepts. I see the precepts a number of different ways. So I'd like to just offer these to you for your own reflection. First of all, I see them as the foundation for our shared practice. That as we take the precepts, we create a container for ourselves for practicing together. We create a sacred space together. We create a place of respect a place of honor, a place of kindness, a place of compassion that holds us all. And so, in some sense, we're sitting and practicing alone. But our taking of and our practicing the precepts is really for everybody here. The precepts can be thought of in this sense, that they're a prescription, they're a way, it's what we should do when we're here, it's what we're supposed to do, it's kind of the right and wrong or the etiquette in some sense of being on retreat. Don't kill, don't steal, don't um, express your sexuality, don't lie, don't delude the mind. So in that sense, they're kind of a prescription for how to do it right so that it's for the protection for everybody. It's really a prescription of non-harming. And that's the most one basic way to understand the precepts and really an important way so that if you ever um, feel impelled to talk to someone or yell at someone or advise someone Really remember, that's not what we're doing here. Or if you decide you want a drink, don't, don't go out and get a drink. It's not what we're doing here. But there's another way also to consider the precepts if we kind of drop an octave or raise an octave, however you wish to think about it. And it's really seeing the precepts as a support for our awakening for our practice, and an expression of awakening, that when when one is awake, why would one want to kill anything? Why would we lie? Why would we want to hurt anybody through our sexuality or hurt ourselves through uh, alcohol or drugs? And so in in one sense, they're a prescription about how to be here, but in another sense, they are aligning with our nature, with our true nature, with the deepest part of our nature. And what we'd like to do by aligning with these precepts is let them permeate our time here, when we're sitting, when we're walking when we're in line, when we're working with other people, not to talk when it's not needed or called for when you're working. To bring a sense of non-harming to being in line, even when you're hungry. To bring a sense of kindness in general for ourselves, and for all of us to really be here together and to allow this practice to awaken us. So I'm going to name the precept, say a couple words about it, and then ask you to take the precept. So the first precept, that for the purposes of training, we're going to vow not to harm living beings. And it really points us to our interconnectedness, to our relationship to all of life. When I was here practicing last year, for some reason, I felt this tremendous affinity with the smallest animals, the insects really, for some reason. And it was so lovely that the spiders and the ants and the um, caterpillars that would be in the walking lanes And there was just some understanding that came that we're we're no different. And it's beautiful. And it's stayed with me quite quite deeply. I actually just feel this lovely affinity. And part of that was just through the precept of non-harming, of not killing. And also to consider this precept of not killing in a little broader terms. Don't kill time when you're here. It's a very precious time. You know, if you take a a moment to look, then really look. If you hear a sound of a bird, really hear the bird. But don't, don't kill time. Don't waste time. Be present with your experience. If you stop to have a cup of tea, really have a cup of tea. So repeating silently in your mind, for the purpose of training, I vow to refrain from killing living beings. The second precept is not to take what isn't given really mostly has to do with things. Don't take somebody else's cushion. Everybody's going to have suffering enough. (laughs) You know, don't take somebody's food. It really makes it a very safe place for everybody. We can really relax. We don't have to lock our doors here because we're all here together. There's also a way that if you think about what we're doing here, when we align with this precept of not taking what isn't given, we see that we don't need anything that's not already here. We see that what we need is here. Our attention, our kindness, our respect, they're right here. On the, most, uh, on the highest octave, Zen Master Dogen said, the mind and phenomena are one. The gateway to enlightenment is open wide. So the second precept, for the purposes of training, I vow to refrain from taking what isn't given. The third precept, refraining from sexual activity. Sometimes I think about this as, just give it a rest. We've all had lots of sexual activity in our life. It's a rare opportunity to really relax with one's sexuality. It doesn't mean sexual feelings don't arise on retreat. That's actually not a problem, but that we don't have to express it or do a peacock kind of expression in any way. It's a really great relief. And it's an opportunity to use the energy of our sexuality for awakening. It's also a protection for everybody else that we don't express our sexuality. So for the purposes of training, I vow to refrain from sexual activity. The fourth precept, to refrain from false speech. Here on the retreat it's pretty simple. We are in silence except for the instructions, or questions and answers, the Dharma talk, or your interviews, we're in silence. And it's a great protection and container for all of us. Your mind will talk enough. You don't have to say anything. And to broaden instruction, It also means really not communicating, not communicating with your eyes, so not looking at people. It also means don't read, don't write. Really take this time to examine very deeply the present moment, moment after moment. And we can let go of the usual kind of communication that happens. And see if you discover a kind of communication that happens without you doing anything. Because community builds here in the silence, in the not looking, in the not talking, in spite of our usual idea of what communication is. Because community builds here in the silence, in the not looking, in the not talking, in spite of our usual idea of what communication is. For the purposes of training, I vow to refrain from false speech. And the last precept, which is to refrain from intoxicating the mind. Again, a protection, first of all, for ourselves and for others. Seeing that we can trust this moment's experience, whatever it is, whether it's joyful, blissful, peaceful, calm, boring, angry, fearful, sad, grieving, that we can be present with the display of phenomena, the display of impermanence in each moment. When Bodhidharma, a Zen Buddhist teacher, gave the precepts, he always started them by saying self-nature is subtle and mysterious. If we pay attention, there is no need for intoxication. There is something quite mysterious happening here in each moment. So, for the purposes of training, I vow to refrain from intoxicating the mind. I wish you all the blessings of the Dharma in your practice. Thank you. We'll take a minute or so, a minute or two, just to get up, stretch, breathe, relax.
4: I welcome to the others. And just to say, um, coming in, it was the first time I had been in the hall since I arrived tonight, and the first, my first sense was just to bow to everyone, because such an immediate sense of the sacredness of the space here. And like all of you, I came from enormously busy, happening holidays, and the contrast is so marked and so wonderful. So it's a pleasure to be here. I've been coming a number of years, both teaching and sitting, and one of the things that always stands out to me is how, especially this time of year, the chance to step out of habits and routines, you know, that keep us small and keep our lives not so alive. And and coming here, no matter what happens, we've in some way stepped out of that, and there's more of a sense of the realness and the juiciness Of our lives. So a couple of weeks ago um, I was talking with a friend about how I was looking forward to that because things were definitely crunched and uh, that friend handed me a cartoon and in the cartoon there are these two robots and they're just wildly, exuberantly dancing around and one is singing out, I'm free, I'm free, free at last, I found my manual override button. (laughs) And I liked it because it was that sense of all these practices are that in some way they bring us towards freedom, that we step out of the habits of our minds to always try to make things safe or try to control things or grasp things, and we a bit more come back this moment just to settle into what's true. So that's our practice. And one of the beautiful practices over the many centuries, now 2,500 years, that has been a way to lead into these practices, is the tradition of taking the refuges. So what we'll do tonight, before we sit, is take the refuges in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. It's been called the Triple Gems. And I just want to say a few words about them and then we'll meditate on them a bit and then sit together. The first refuge, I take refuge in the Buddha. It's really taking refuge in our Buddha nature, in our awakening Buddha nature. For many, there's inspiration in sensing the historical figure of the Buddha, and that, and whatever inspires us is wonderful. But the, the Buddha's teachings really were that each of us is awakening. And that when we look towards that, when we bow to that, when we take refuge in that, it really allows us to embody it, to touch into our innate wisdom and compassion. So the first refuge is, I take refuge in the Buddha, in the possibility and potential of this awakening nature. The second refuge, I take refuge in the Dharma. The Dharma, the way, the path, the truths. When we take refuge in the Dharma, we're taking refuge in these precious practices and truths that both reflect our Buddha nature and awaken our nature. The third is, I take refuge in the Sangha. Sangha, spiritual community, the gathering or company of those that are awakening, the holy ones. And Sangha can be considered really on two levels, one perhaps the uh, congregation or gathering of those who very intentionally are here to wake up, as we all are. And then the broader Sangha, are the community of all beings. And one of the beauties here, and this is something that we do more and more in practice, is sense that we really are not practicing, as Eugene said, by ourselves. But rather, there's a power and a beauty to the gathering. And that when we intentionally take refuge in that, when we bow to each other, and you can do it, it's really amazing how when we're not talking and not looking at each other, there can be this really deep appreciation and sense of togetherness, that we can intentionally offer metta, and sense the power of being together in this practice, taking refuge in the Sangha. So as I say them again, this time just to have some silence in between and to meditate on each and sense it in a real way, as it is for you. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. And then we'll be repeating it now together, all three phrases joining in together now, please. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. We'll be moving now into our sitting. Um, If you need to adjust yourself in any way to feel more comfortable and balanced, please do so. The sitting posture, for those of you that are not so familiar, that would like reminders. The guidelines are, in the most simple way, to sit in a way that's upright, alert, yet relaxed. What this means is finding a balanced posture, where the spine is tall and straight, and then relaxing the muscles in the body, however possible, to be most at ease. taking these first few moments to let yourself arrive in these bodies. to Feel the sensations of the sitting posture. To feel the aliveness of the body without judgment, just noticing how it is to be here, to become more still. Letting go a bit through the body, relaxing, and in that way, becoming more wakeful. Softening a little on the shoulders. We've all done a lot to get here. Letting go a bit of what we're carrying. Letting the hands rest in a soft and easy way. The chest is open, the belly soft, making room for a full breath. And then another. Feeling yourself arrive more fully as you soften through the body, relaxing the legs, Feeling where you contact the floor beneath you. Opening the awareness to sense the whole body. And the space around you. Aware of sounds. An open, easy attention. Aware of sounds, sensations in the body. And in the midst of those sensations, the movement of the breath. Noticing where you feel the breath most strongly and letting the awareness rest with the breath. Noticing what the breath is like this moment with a relaxed, yet clear, attention. Allowing the mind to settle with this simple attention, mindfulness of the breath. If you drift off, noticing that, including what arises in awareness, and then gently coming back this next breath, relaxed and present.